2: Everybody, welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall of podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Kozala, and I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It is my curse, my burden, and yet it is the premise of the show. With me, as always, is the skeptic, the voice of the people, the devil on my shoulder. Kristen Sutter, hey Kristen.
3: Hello. I, I just I know I've I mention it every time, but I cannot believe the devil on the shoulder has lasted now as mm-hmm. the like third or fourth in the series. I'm happy to be here. It uh, just
2: it's you know a, as we go on and the show evolves I think we have to be accurate as to what your role is in in truly. the proceedings here. So I am you know, up top double. we have to establish it. And uh Kristen, you know what month it is? 4th of reco- July. No no, no 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 no. days it's ago.
3: July want my MTV.
2: Very good. It's July want my MTV our theme month, not necessarily said
3: 4th of July. What was I about? I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's not a pun. It's not a play on words. It's just a holiday. Um, Yeah. So this month we are talking all about the most MTV ish artists that are being inducted in the Rock Hall this year. Uh, We just talked about Duran Duran last week. We talked had a more general conversation about MTV. uh, And this week I'm very excited to have our guest, if not because on Billboard, she did write an article a few years ago, why pioneer Pat Benatar deserves her shot in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So who better to have to talk a little bit more about Pat, uh, entertainment journalist, contributor to Sirius, Mara Reinstein. Hey, Mara.
1: Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here.
2: Yeah, so we're excited to get you here. It has been a, people don't know this, but internally it's been a long journey to <laughs> oh my God. get I our just schedules wanna, aligned. And
1: just when we thought we had a town like, oh, there's my positive COVID test and I can't talk. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> well, we've, we've, we've
3: been there, there as well.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, so we understand, we truly, it has happened to both of us. It is coming for us all. So, you know, you're not alone in, in the struggle here. The struggle is real. Yes. It's, no, well, yes.
1: Yes, but thank you, and all we're all healthy, thank goodness. And let's yes. let's talk Pat for sure.
2: Yes, I, I would I would love to do that. But first, let's do a little housekeeping. You've never been on this show before. Our show is about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Rock Hall, for a lot of people, is a peripheral institution that I would say is, most for most. Yeah, is you know either meaningless, confusing, or some combination of the two. I'm curious coming into this show. What is your reference level for the rock hall? Have you, do you pay attention at all? Is the, you know, do the induction ceremonies uh, mean anything to you, the list, et cetera?
1: Yes and yes. I, I, I don't know what the right answer is. I probably <laughs> there isn't one, but yeah, well, I, it's very much on my radar because I do so much work with, especially with Sirius and the channel that I'm most associated with, they actually announce the nominations every year and they do simulcasts so I I tangentially am involved that way and just as a fan as someone who loves lists and orders and honors and award shows like Mm -hmm. don't even get me started on the Oscars something even like a sports hall of fame all of it I love this stuff even though it actually has no bearing on my life whatsoever unless I'm writing (laughs) a story about Pat Benatar no it's not going to change me either way if Duran is in the hall or not it's not going to affect my life um Mm -mm. but for and and yet that morning (laughs) who got it who's in who's up let me like call everyone I know and discuss it. So, Perfect. Uh, and that's, so yeah, the
3: answer is yes.
2: You're speaking my language.
3: Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> wow, you're, you're in the Joe camp over here. Certainly uh, two against one against you it, for the first time. I, not for the first time. We've had true. some hall heads on here before
2: <laughs> without a doubt.
3: I, and
1: I, and I've never gone to a ceremony either. I've gone to Cleveland years ago, but mm-hmm. I've never gone. To, that. I think the ceremony, I think they're like seven hours long. That's where I draw the line. They, they are, are yeah. <laughs> five to six hours. Long. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't have the attention span for that. Give me an yeah. edited version on HBO. I'm fine.
2: That's where, that's, that's where we draw the line between you and I, uh, <laughs> is that I, I eat it up and I, I like, uh, I would be there for, for the whole day if, if I could.
1: Well, this year's lineup is is really speaking my language. So this this would have been probably the exception to the rule this year's yeah. for sure. although yeah. although and, it's going
2: to be in L.A. this year, so it's, know, it's not going to be happening. anywhere close. I know to where you will be. Um, I assume. Uh, correct. Before we we because okay, so I want to talk about Pat Benatar. Uh, one of the reasons, kind of, for this month of. July I Want My MTV is to revisit Duran Duran and Pat Benatar specifically because we covered them early on in our show when we didn't really give them the proper due. Our show was still kind of
0: fledgling, well, yeah, fledgling,
2: not well-researched, et cetera, et cetera. I was just kind of, you know, and listen, we talked to Karen Kilgaroff and she was a great guest and mm-hmm. we, we had a good conversation and I reran that episode a little bit ago, but I want to have a, a deeper conversation. But before we get into that, July want my MTV. Let's talk a little bit about MTV. And, you know, so far you've, you've uh, shown yourself to be a bit of a pop culture junkie. Indeed. List head. I got to imagine MTV was important to you.
1: MTV was the ultimate forbidden fruit growing up. It came on the air. Um, I was too young in 1981 to to be conscious of it, but throughout the eighties, when it became so popular, my parents, I am from a a suburb of uh, Detroit. My parents were very adamant that we were not gonna get cable because they did not want me and my twin brother watching MTV. They thought (laughs) it it was a really bad influence. They, I mean, if they could have been friends with Tipper Gore, I'm sure they would have been. Like (laughs) Uh that's how conservative they were. So uh, fortunately, my grandparents happened to live across the street, and of course they want to spoil their grandkids. So we beelined it across the street to my grandparents' house whenever we could and turned on MTV. And the more my parents said no, it was the ultimate rebellion. It was like it was it was literally, I want my MTV. So I it it was a seminal force to me. Is in the fact that I ended up in the job that I have and the fact that I've worked so closely with Mark Goodman, who is one of the original VJs, the fact that Mark mm-hmm. knows me is yeah. like the ultimate, <laughs> it's the ultimate comeuppance, first of all, but I yeah. it's like, it, it, it just like almost just makes me laugh and maybe this is a learning lesson to all parents, you know, don't,
2: <laughs> don't push
1: something away, it's only going to make the kids want it more. So, and long-term, it had absolutely no effect on me. But no, we didn't get cable until I was in high school. I just wanted to just, 92, I was in high school. And Dang. that we finally got it. And just, that's how long I went without MTV. I'm like, lots of friends, parents, basically. Like my, my friends would have to tape the VMAs and we would get the VHS and put the VHS in. And that's how I
3: watched the VMAs every year. It was just we really had to get creative.
2: I love that
3: you were MTV, yeah. so determined, and I also really enjoy that it is your grandparents who were like, Hell yeah. "Grandma, and Grandpa, coming in clutch." Like yep. Grandma and Grandpa were like, "Oh, screw it, we'll get cable. Sure, whatever, kids, enjoy." Like, I mean, it was like, and the,
1: and the Surface was like, "Can we watch Nickelodeon?" And then sure, and then they the, they leave the room like. Where's the channel's MTV? Let's get to MTV, MTV. So yeah, there was a lot of <laughs> fl- toggling between you can't do that on television and on Nickelodeon and videos galore and MTV. That, by the way, that goes for both sets of grandparents. The other sets of grandparents lived in New York. And again, we just like went up to a room. They had cable and just
3: our faces were glued to the TV. So- You just reminded me of a thing I haven't thought about in a very long time, which is the- back button on a remote like or like, a, the, swi- like the switch, like you could switch between right? two last, channels sometimes last or something like yeah. that it was they like still there was have a, that i mean i i just haven't operated a tv in, <laughs> a, w- that was going through channels in right, a very long time right, right i just or like you know had to like I, I feel like it was like if you're watching something you shouldn't be you keep another thing on the last button so that you can like flip back mm-hmm. to that oh, yeah. real quick you don't want to just be one above or one below because then it's too obvious suspicious, suspicious. Right. you're right. not watching c-span right. right. come on
2: yeah. uh and yeah so, no I, I had the, I mean that was my experience with MTV to some degree we had cable but it was forbidden but this was like you know later when we were kind of nearly past the music video era of mtv and it was like mtv spring break and it's stuff that was a little bit more understandable why a uh parent Absolutely. wouldn't want their kid to see it when mtv turned to the, this this other thing uh but it was still you know you would try to sneak it because it, it was before parental control so it wasn't like it was bought. right it was just kind of the honor system and so you know we we would try to uh to get on there and then yes, have the previous button to Nickelodeon to go back. So you know. <laughs> I mean,
1: the, the irony was, was that when I was finally like in college and old enough to watch MTV, the spring break stuff like really bored me. Like all like the risque <laughs> stuff. I, I really just truly wanted to watch the videos because I was so into pop music and the like the videos of the eighties and nineties were just, peak art and you even like the directors of films now like David Fincher directed some of the greatest four minutes of videos you you will ever see like to me like they could have been like Oscar nominated short film so mm-hmm. I, I'm still like a video person from like that retro era through and through.
2: Hell yeah. Well let's, uh, let's talk about Pat. Um, yes. And let's start with your article. Where did now that was this a pitch from you or was this a pitch that I
1: pitched it I I remember it was twenty again 2019 and I woke up that morning and saw that Pat was on the list of nominees that the potentials first time. right potentials yep, for the first time and big day for me big day for it, me as well absolutely and uh at the time I was contributing to Billboard I I honestly don't anymore because they don't pay their freelancers but they I know uh, boo and mm-hmm. but at the time I was pretty regularly and I pitched like can I write an essay on why pet Benatar just you know should be in the rock and roll hall of fame and they said yes and it honestly just flowed out of me. <laughs> I, I just, I had the SiriusXM on while I was writing it. I wrote it that day. It posted that afternoon. It's still to this day, one of like my favorite pieces that I've ever done because it really came from the heart. It wasn't, listen, I love interviewing celebrities as much as the next person, but this was something a little special. Like I grew up, you know, mm-hmm. loving Pat Benatar and- Gosh darn it, she did, she did deserve, I thought really strongly about it. So <laughs> yeah, there, so there you go. And it had great feedback, by the way. A lot of people love that story too.
2: I bet, yeah, one thing I found, and I've been told as much from editors because occasionally I will contribute uh, something uh, to Vulture, is that Rock Hall stuff always does well. Uh, and kind of one of the reasons we we do this show is just, we know it, it uh, triggers passion, rage, yeah. All sorts of very extreme emotions in people.
3: It's like a fun prism through which to discuss music.
1: It is. And don't, doesn't it also like there's a sense the fact that you had to have 25 years in the business? Like you kind of do the math. Like you're constantly doing the math in your head. Like and it it just it kind of puts you in the mindset of like how old you are. The fact <laughs> that honestly, the fact that in sync is eligible in a few years like if that doesn't put some perspective on your life i don't know what does it sync.
2: i mean and sometimes you'll be surprised because some of these artists have singles before they broke right so you know backstreet boys became eligible last year yeah Uh, you know eminem got in this year uh and we every year we do an episode where we cover who's becoming eligible from aqua to Eminem ha. this year, you know, so we go from the very least likely to the, mo- right. to the most likely, uh, and there's always there's always ones in there where you're surprised because you're like, oh, I didn't know that they were, yeah. I mean, even Eminem, you don't think of Eminem no. as 1996. You think mm-hmm. of him, uh, as you know, nineteen
1: ninety eight. Right after, that is what <laughs> no, I think I, of. Him. At least a
2: few, yeah, a few years later when when the breakout was. But uh, uh... no,
1: it's absolutely true. And you know what? I, speaking of actually Boys, I'll just say, it, as a, as a fan of pop music, we'll never see a boy band inducted. Maybe JT solo. Um, yeah, but I think that's you right. You know what? backstreet boys have got hits you know what i'm saying can't deny it can't deny, can't it. deny it i, I don't want it think that way it's one of the greatest I think, pop ever.
3: I think we could see i think nsync has probably the best chance of all the boy bands that i can think no of. shot no way
2: no shot but their members are certainly more visible but than their the members backstreet are more boys. i just
3: i'm like i think there's a way i don't know i just feel like anything's possible. And and I will never say that nothing can happen. Yeah,
2: weirdly, if I had to choose a a boy band that I think would get the recognition, maybe this is wild, but I feel like it would be New Edition.
3: New Edition was what I was going to say. I was like, actually, I feel like New Edition could be... uh... But I was thinking... Uh, I don't know.
2: Probably not. Probably Probably not. not, But but if you're
3: talking influence, okay, it's cool to say
1: I was influenced by T-Rex, but guess what? Every (laughs) boy band there is, and they will be boy bands till the end of time, were influenced by both New Edition and
3: NKO TV in the 80s. So- Mm -hmm. You can trace it all the oh,
1: way to yeah, BTS.
3: New kids. And, oh my gosh, I can't yeah. believe well, it'll s- never happen. Template. How could but, I forget about New Kids? <laughs> well,
1: I mean, seriously, <laughs> but you know they're still around. Again, it will never happen, but you can't deny that they have been just as influential on a genre. As as any other rock man that's in there, but it it won't happen. I yeah, so it's just, anyway. it's like it's a
3: much maligned genre because yeah. it, it's it impossible um, caters to, get to teen it, girls. It's candy. And right. uh, and yeah. uh teen girls are one of the you know most powerful, least respected uh yeah. consumer groups.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh it's true, but we digress, yeah. Sorry, start the tangent. I uh, know <laughs> we always appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, let's uh let's talk about. Pat, and I'd like to uh, kind of tell the story of, of Pat Benatar, or should I say Patricia May Andrzejewski. Correct. Uh, you know, her her birth name, you know, a classically trained, uh, nearly like opera type singer, almost going to Juilliard, you know, Brooklyn girl, marries her uh, high school sweetheart. That's where you get the Benatar name in there, right. a guy named Dennis, mm-hmm. Uh who was Denny
3: the- Denny Benatar Denny Benny <laughs> wow okay good for him that's it yeah. I mean Benatar is a kick-ass last name I, uh, I, I see why she kept up. it yeah like you know that's just it's a kick i i can see why she didn't move to Geraldo. i see why she didn't go back to the maiden name i see why i mean that
2: maiden name is is tough we were talking a little bit before the the broadcast about our our own respective difficulties with our last names but andrew andrew zewski is spelled a-n-d-r-z-e-j-e-w-s-k-i that's not. No, gonna... she had no
1: shot. No shots with that
2: name. Mm-hmm, absolutely mm-hmm. not. Uh, and so, you know, Dennis Benatar's great contribution to society is providing Pat with the perfect last name to start <laughs> a rock career.
3: Yep. Absolutely. Indeed. Kick-ass last name. How long were they married for? Not, not super sure...
2: long. Not like right long. after she, maybe like five or six years, I want to say. You know, so she was with him. You know, he was in the military, which sent them to Richmond, Virginia. And that's I... kind of where she started her career
1: she was a bank teller she had a regular job she is a graduate of of a suny school state university of new york school there's no business that she should have become a rock star you it, least likely mm-hmm. least
3: likely of any yeah, of the she nominees. leaves new york to go to virginia and that's where her rock career begins yeah. i'm like how make it make sense <laughs> it's true and she sees
1: lives of Manelli in concert and it, it, it was a game changer for her and um wasn't soon after that that she became a recording artist
2: yeah now when she was in Richmond she did do her she recorded her first real single and you know we talk about artists who have a secret single before they actually break big in 1974 she recorded a song called day gig yeah. Just a Is you know about five years before the typically recognized debut uh, right. of Pat, but to me that it's it's under it's as Pat Benatar and it was released as a single, so that does you know that makes her eligibility status the year two thousand is when she became eligible because of that weird single no one's ever heard, and
1: yet it took yeah. nineteen years even to get her on the ballots. It's shameful, right? shameful.
2: shameful. But yeah, so she moved to New York after this Liza Minnelli concert to pursue a career and I think what's really interesting is where it started to happen for her was at a place called Catch a Rising Star which is primarily known as a comedy club yeah (laughs) Uh, but this must have been in the days when there were there were still aspirations that it could be like a variety show they were like a mixed open mic kind of thing and you know she did an amateur night like an open mic night and she got signed by the people by Catch a Rising Star they were her managers Initially. And so you'll see pick you, you can find pictures of her with like Richard Belzer and Joe Piscopo. And, oh, that is
1: great. I didn't know that. Robin I love Williams. That.
2: Yeah. And so there she has this interesting early comedy connection uh in her career with this uh with this club.
3: Amazing. She is a tiny person, sorry. And now I'm just like looking up pictures of her and I'm just like, I yes. forget how she's teeny petite. tiny she is. My, every time she comes up, my boyfriend brings up the fact that he sat next to her uh, on a plane once <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and that she's very small. That's like the thing. She was very nice. She was sweet and she is teeny, teeny tiny. Most of them are. Yeah. Funny. Right.
2: yeah. And, you know, she gets a record deal with a, a label called Chrysalis. And this is around the time when she divorces Dennis, but keeps the name. And so it's like, that is like a huge dividing line between eras of her her life, right? She's no longer with this guy and now she's beginning her her real deal recording career. And that's where it all kind of starts. But before we get to that, why don't we take a very short break? We will be right back.
0: I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic.
2: Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you didn't waste any time. Okay, so let's talk about the discography of, of Pat Benatar vis-a-vis her career. Uh, August 79 is when that first album, In the Heat of the Night, came out. Doesn't hit the charts uh, immediately. So August is when it comes out. is isn't until October when the album hits the charts And then it slowly crawls to number 12, its peak position in March. So this thing has a long kind of like sleeper-like trajectory. And this is the album that has "Heartbreaker." Such a great song.
3: That's like truly, I think, maybe my favorite Pat Benatar song. And it just absolutely rocks. How was that one of those ones where it's like it went away and then like she got some heat somewhere else? And they were like, remember Heartbreaker? And they like brought it back into the charts, or did Heartbreaker ever chart well?
2: Heartbreaker went to number 23.
3: That's not that high. No, it's, it's not, not considering it's really stood the test of time. Like that's, yeah, like that. Yeah. I. I mean, I, I was not alive. I would guess it's because,
2: like, in general, I don't think there's anything what you're describing, but I think in general it was just like a slow burn. You know what I mean? So like it, it's it's on the charts for a long time, but doesn't hit. It, it's not like it burns super bright, super quickly.
1: I think it also really helped that MTV started in 1981 of August of 1981, and Pat Bantar was the first female played. The second ever video was um, "You Better Run." Hey. It's a, a cool footnote. Of course, the first one was bu- the, the bugles mm-hmm. The Buggles, the bubbles, but, yeah. um but The Bugles, it's like a potato chip, the Buggles. <laughs> and um, I think that helped get her some visibility for sure. And more videos were churned out. Um, and we can get into this a little later, but I think the videos both helped her and were also a knock on her. I, I think mm-hmm. it was a double-edged sword when she got into MTV.
2: Yeah, right. And so that that's in, in a little bit. But with this album, you know, this would have been, you know, it, it hit its peak in March 1980. So this must have been without the help of MTV. But you're right, for the subsequent albums, MTV is a major part of it. The only other footnote I would say about this album is it includes the song I Need a Lover. I need a lover. was the a cover from a then relatively unknown John Cougar
1: right uh, and uh. he
2: attributes that inclusion on this hit album as something that kept him afloat in those early days when he hadn't quite broken through and so a, you know he yeah. he's got he's got a connection he 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 always gives her props for, for doing that.
1: Hit me with your best shot. Was that on that album? That was really that, early on too. That
2: would be the next one. So it's oh, like, okay. this takes so long to hit its peak that the next album is pretty much ready to go. You know, it comes out in August, 1980. And the first album was peaking in March, 1980. So the turnaround was fast. That first album also, she meets Neil Giraldo, who. Mm-hmm plays guitar and writes some songs and continues to do that for the rest of her career.
1: And the love of her life.
2: Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) now a a part of the name. Now
3: an equal.
2: Equal billing. uh, Equal billing. Which is interesting. I'm curious how it's going to turn out officially when they induct her, if it's going to be Pat Benatar or if they're going to make it Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldi.
1: I am too. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I think it should just be Pat. Yep. Agreed. Um,
3: I think, I think it should just be Pat, but I think he yeah. can be inducted too. Do you but know what I mean? Like, I, I, but I, under, I think it I should mean, just be under her name.
1: I guess if he wants to take the stage fine, but she did the heavy lifting, she's the name. There's a reason why they weren't known as Benatar and Geraldo. It mm-hmm. was just, you know, mm-hmm. they easily could have, but what they didn't. So yeah. it should, in my opinion, it should just be Pat.
2: I agree. It's a little rewriting history. Like the, yes, whole point, the point of this induction is to be honoring this career and the career has always been, the name is Pat Benatar. And listen, I understand that Neil Giraldo was there the whole time and contributing in a big part of it, but that's not what, that wasn't what was on the album cover. That wasn't what
3: Correct.
1: was on the
2: charts right.
3: either. Yeah, you know? exactly.
2: And so I, I've noticed on the Hall's website, it's not fully converted. I'm curious what's happening behind the scenes, but I've started to see it listed as Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo, which I had. It's that's not mm. what it was on the ballot. On the ballot, it was just Pat Benatar. So I'm curious. Finally, when we get to the induction and we see that video package, what the name is that they put front and center? Absolutely. Me too. It's a, that's the one of our. Uh, it can be our ongoing. Drama as we lead. <laughs> yeah, up. I was
3: like, "Oh wow, you're raising the stakes." You're just like, "Wow, when we get to the ceremony, we're really gonna find out."
2: I mean, we'll see. Well,
3: we he'll will. clearly perform with her. Yeah, oh, yeah, and he's be there.
2: he'll give a speech, I bet.
3: I think so too, or at least stand next to her. I think she will probably say something. We've
2: talked about how, you know, it's on the ballot, it was Pat Benatar. But the thing is, the whole time, if you go to the website and stuff, as though Pat Benatar, in quotes, is a band, Neil Giraldo is always listed as a member. So he was always going to get the trophy regardless. Right. Uh, It's it's an interesting thing. There's probably a lot going on there that we will never know privately.
1: Indeed.
2: We can only I, we can only speculate.
1: I used to share an office with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because I used to work at Us Weekly, and that's where Rolling Stone mm, was, and that's right. where you know Jan had his committee and mm. lots of closed door meetings. Always, I knew all of them, and they <laughs> would meet all the time in the conference room, and you just really like to be a fly on the wall in there, right?
2: Oh yeah, we've talked yeah. to many committee members, uh, current and former attempting to wring as much information out of them as we can <laughs> sometimes a lost cause i'm
1: friends with one of them and trust me i've done the same man no. yeah <laughs> he's, evolved. he's evolved
2: unfortunately mm-hmm. that's how it goes yeah but yeah it's that next album it's the second album that's the huge so you know the first one was popular but this one is gigantic and you know it comes on the on the heels of in the heat of the night it's crimes of passion uh and that's what has hit me with your best shot yeah! which goes to number nine, breaks the top 10.
3: And also has her cover of Wuthering Heights, which is a thing that I forget about constantly.
2: Yes, she does cover Kate Bush on that album. But I want to talk about Unexpected News with Pat Benatar and the song Hit Me With Your Shot. I know, I know. I just read this. Very strange. She is saying that she will not perform that song live anymore in protest of gun violence.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I mean... I don't think... I don't think it works as a protest. I'm almost like, I don't,
3: it's like, I don't think it's doing what you think it's doing here. She even talks about in the quote, like I, it's a tongue in cheek song. I don't mean it that way, but I can't say those. It's like, she's saying, I can't say those words when people are truly being shot in our country every day is kind of what I read when I read it in the article. right?
2: but like who on earth hears this song and thinks of guns? I agree. Like it is such a metaphor. Yeah, it is so clearly a, a phrase. Like it is a saying and she says fire away and then nothing else in the song, even remotely, it like then goes back to the subtext, which is just, you know, you're breaking hearts you know I, this is our relationship i always
1: thought of him as a shot as sort of like the bow and
3: arrow shot i didn't even like think of a gun because of the
2: heart mm.
1: yes, right? no, yeah
3: no i just it's never strange. took it even to be remotely related to guns but uh, i i don't know it's her choice i guess if she doesn't want to sing it it's a strange
2: uh, i mean if you want to talk about Shooting it is shooting herself in the foot, I think, because it's taking away <laughs> one of her like huge best songs. Absolutely,
1: for you're, paying kind of no you're paying money. You pay money to see her concert. You want to hear her sing the hits,
3: including "Hit Me with Your Best Shot."
1: And that's
2: yeah, one of the big ones. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know. May, maybe it's. uh I don't know how long this. uh
3: Well, I, yeah, I like, do you think stand. come November she's not going to play it at the induction? I don't think she will. No,
2: even I mean, though she, it's
1: a
3: signature that... song, I don't think
1: Too she will. Turn
2: around. Yeah, uh,
3: maybe we'll have solved gun violence by them. though, guys. there you go. Yeah, we'll have figured it all out. Come on, that's possible. Uh,
2: the rest fine. of this album has has other hits on it. Um, the album itself won her her first of four consecutive Grammys for best rock vocal performance female category that went genderless in 2005 and then uh, has kind of just continued to erode. Uh, (laughs) this is the album that has You Better Run on it, which as we said, was the second video on MTV. And so this was the, this was her, went four times platinum eventually. This is her biggest album in America. It didn't hit number one, but the next album, Precious Time, did hit number one. This came out in July 81, but it hit number one as what our friend Chris Malanfi calls the ACDC rule, which is Mm. after a huge, like important album that doesn't go number one, it's usually followed up. By one that goes to number one immediately, just through anticipation alone, mm. regardless of its quality. But this one did go to, it did get platinum eventually. Fire and Ice is the biggest single, not a song you hear that much anymore. But that song did get her number two of the four Grammys. And then we get, you know, we go to so she's just like churning out albums at this uh, point. Yep, yep. Uh October. Like this 80- is so
3: many albums in a row. You know, this is what 79, 80, 81, and now 82.
2: Yes. And she exactly. hasn't even hit
3: her peak yet.
2: So yeah, 82 is you get the album Get Nervous, which has Shadows of the Night on it. Which would go to number 13. Bang. <laughs> Great song, and also would get her her third Grammy. Uh, this album would also go platinum, it would take a little bit longer. And then we finally get to MTV, and you know, she does kind of like a pivot.
1: Yeah. I mean, we get to what Love is a Battlefield? Is that where we get
2: mm-hmm. to? Yeah. What we're and- about.
1: A classic video, which I know she doesn't love because she has to dance in it. And again, I was alluding to this before, but I think the fact that, that pat benatar's videos where she's not madonna right like mm-hmm. she's not as comfortable in front of the camera as madonna or cindy lopper like it wasn't the smoothest of transitions in my opinion and i think that might have been a knock on pat benatar was that she's not like stevie nicks or uh, the Anna and nancy wilson where you could ju- you just picture like them like just Thrashing the a, a guitar or the the voice or the or just spinning knack. in a big cape, right? Of right, like the video, and we haven't gotten there yet. But let's—I'm just gonna get there right now. For it. We it. belong. Yeah, it's really silly, and it's a great song. Like we belong without that video. That just the song itself. Like it just you can just sing it, you know it within within one note. Mm -hmm. And it has such like a cool message of like, I don't want to, don't want to leave you really. Like I just, it's just such a cool song. The lyrically, and it's like kids in the choir and all white and the weird gloves and clapping. It just it doesn't I'm like silly. have I ever seen the We Belong <laughs> video? Oh I feel my like gosh! I well, this is what you get when you watch MTV at grandmas—is
3: that you see We Belong a lot? Like, <laughs> i feel like, I mean, I very much grew up watching MTV, but I'm like, dang, did I just watch do it? Remember it's this at very 80. It's very
1: 80s. And again, love is a battlefield. Like that, where she tries to be, I mean, this is pre really Madonna, okay. But again, she's trying to do but like, she's shutting her that hips, lace in yeah, she's her got hair. Look. She's yeah. uncomfortable. I'm
2: sorry, she's uncomfortable. It's a move to stay relevant, you know, yeah. it's, it's taking a page out of the Michael Jackson playbook, quite literally. Yes. Same yes. director, same, direct- same choreographer. Right, right. Um, and so, I mean, it, it, it works for the time being, uh, you know, she, you know, didn't love making music videos. But Love is a Battlefield goes to number five. It's her her biggest single that and We Belong. They both went to number five. Those are her biggest singles. That in That is America.
3: wild. I just I guess I think of her as being so I just think of her as being like a number one artist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. But it's just, at the end of the day, OK, she didn't get the top spot, But again, everyone
1: knows Love is a Battlefield. I remember it's so it's featured so prominently in that movie Thirteen Going on Thirty, which is on TV all the time, and and also We Belong, everyone knows it as well. She had a couple other hits in the late eighties. I really liked All Fired Up. I really like the song she did from the Legend of Billie Jean. Um, Was that Invincible? Invincible, I like yeah, Invincible's that. Invincible is a great song. It is uh, a great song. It's a and real I soaring,
2: just, like anthemic. Yeah, absolutely.
1: That came out after We Belong, and yeah, you just if you look at her list of hits, right? Heartbreaker, of course, is featured on site on, on a random Seinfeld episode so prominently, <laughs> and like so, she's been part of like the pop culture vernacular, and I, I and just the fact that I don't think people realized that she was in a way, she was a combination of heart and Madonna, you know, because she did was that pop star, that female pop star way before Madonna came along. And I mean, years before Madonna came along in 1981, but no one knew Madonna. And, but yet she has that like, growl to her voice and the artistry a little bit like the Wilson scissors. So she's a combination of both she's a female she has that great story that almost like that rags to riches story in a way and so yeah i'm really thrilled that she's finally getting recognized as well she should and even like if you compare to someone like joan Jett, Mm -hmm. who i get it right she joan Jett runaways and the black hearts but how many hits did runaways have none yeah Um, i love rock and roll okay there's that hate myself for loving you. And again, Pat, like it shows in the charts, like hits for
3: days, Pat Benatar. Well, the fact so, that she can yeah. say, I'm not going to sing Me with your best shot and still have and enough still have songs a, to be like, 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 happy. Like, yeah. right. I'm like, That's pretty good.
1: Right. It's not like Bobby McFerrin saying, I'm not going to sing, don't worry, be happy at my concerts. Right. Like yeah. it's not. And then no that. one's going.
2: <laughs> right. It's not right.
1: Like, right. You, even that the rock of ages, the Broadway show, and the movie featured two Pat Benatar hits. No other females got featured like that. She, her music will live on in a lot of ways. So very well
3: deserved honor. Yes, I agree.
2: Well said. I mean, well said. Yeah,
3: I've been saying it for a while, and
1: I,
2: mean, um, what, I love,
3: right? I love how it's happening.
2: Before we let yes, you sir. go, Mara, do you have any picks for who should induct Pat Benatar?
3: Oh. I
1: would love to see Christian Slater, star of Legend of Billie Jean and Doc Pat Banachar <laughs> It better it better not be Neil Geraldo. that will not. It'll be a total cheat.
2: Yeah, uh, worth pointing out, sometimes yeah. uh, in concert before Pat sings Invincible, she it's, introduces it as the theme song to the worst movie ever made. So maybe Christian uh, Slater. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm not saying Legend of Billie Jean was
3: good. I'm just
2: saying Christian <laughs> Slater
3: happens to be in it and who doesn't love
2: Christian <laughs> Slater? Okay? Let's
3: get things straight. We're going to celebrate the eighties this year at the
1: (laughs) go for it. (laughs) I I think it's going to be, I'm, this is complete spitball here. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be like a Katy Perry type, honestly, like someone who is an established name, but not too poppy. I think Katy Perry has a little bit of a rock edge to her Mm -hmm. as well. I, I just, I don't think she's ever been at the rock and roll hall of fame. It's definitely it won't be it. It won't be Taylor. It won't be Gaga. It, you know, it won't you know Ariana would it, Grande. Who wouldn't be none of
2: terrible that. would be Miley. But Miley's definitely inducting Dolly. So uh, right, it
1: won't. Right, it won't be Miley. Yeah. But, um, I can. I'm gonna go with Katy Perry. Okay, that's my pick.
2: There we go. Well, Mara, thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun.
1: This was such a treat. Thanks for letting me talk, Pat. I feel so liberated.
2: (laughs) And uh, before you go, anything you would like to plug where people can follow you on social media, that kind of thing?
1: Oh, sure. My Twitter handle is at Mara Reinstein. I write for too many outlets to name. I won't bore anybody, but um, yeah, that's basically where you can find me and my stuff.
2: Okay, great. And our listeners know they can follow us at RockHallPod on Twitter and Instagram. RockHallPod at gmail.com is the email. Uh, if you want Kristen to see that, you need to designate that somewhere in your message. Otherwise, uh, she doesn't want to read it and I'm not even going to bother forwarding it. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, please. Rate and review us. We haven't gotten a review in a while and you know that would be really nice, especially as we are in this long valley in between induction announcement and concert it would be nice for someone to say ni- something nice on yeah, iTunes
3: give us a little summer pick me up
2: thank you and like and of course five stars only anything less i can't stress this enough that would be that would be hitting me with your worst shot yeah because it would be poison to me you'd be shooting me with a poison arrow
3: it would be like poison getting inducted into the rock <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh yes exactly we don't do we really want brett michaels brett michaels if you give us a bad review poison gets in next year i wow. don't make the rules <laughs> i don't make the rules but that's just what's gonna happen uh thank you to mike lloyd for the logo thank you to yusu kim for the music and thank you to pantheon Podcasts for hosting us i'm joe Quazala. i'm Kristen stuttered and who cares about the rock hall